In the morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ, how are you today? You're listening to St. Mark and Bemidji's podcast, a podcast for people who like to leave their brains in gear and ponder the word of the Lord at home, in their car, on a bike, or wherever they find themselves. As much as I like making this podcast, this program isn't the church. It doesn't replace coming to church and receiving the word in a divine services. There's no substitute for receiving the blessings of Holy Communion and Jesus' true body and blood in, with, and under the bread and wine. There's no substitute for being able to talk about God with other believers before or after a service and receiving that encouragement that they can provide and you can provide for them. So don't put it off. Come to church, Wednesdays during Lent or on Sunday. Ask a friend or an acquaintance, a co-worker, someone you know, to come with you and learn too, because the word of the Lord is for everyone. It's the first Sunday in Lent, but as our Sunday meditation always runs a week behind, this is the sermon from the last Sunday in Epiphany. It's titled, Listen to Him, and it's based on a reading from Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Grab your Bibles and let's listen to the word of the Lord. In the name of he who is our prophet, priest, our king, and still our light in this darkened world, Christ Jesus, amen. Have you ever had anybody tell you about a near-death experience that they had? As a pastor, that's something that I'm maybe more uh, privy to. Some people sometimes come up and tell me these things. Maybe you've heard about it in the news or they ran a special on TV where there was multiple people talking about their near-death experiences. Maybe they had had an accident. Maybe they were on the operating table. And either way, according to medical science, somehow they were clinically dead for a short period of time. Sometimes people will say that they see nothing or they felt nothing, but other times you hear of people who had a life flash before their eyes. Or you hear of an individual seeing a bright, gleaming light that they're being drawn to. Everything is dark all around and they're being uh, summoned to this light and then maybe they're told to go back. When I was a vicar, I had a man tell me how he had a near-death experience and he went where he didn't think he would go place that he didn't think existed. He went to hell. Really a wild and unimaginable experience for some of us. And maybe some of you have had something similar. People are often keen to share those experiences when they come to or when they get out of the hospital or what they're, when they're with their friends or their family. They'll talk about what they saw or what they experienced on the other side. People that, that, people that they knew in life, people that they saw again, how they were filled with a sense of peace, a sense of belonging, or being enveloped in, in love and warmth. And stories of that nature are kind of captivating to us, aren't they? Because they show us what's beyond the veil. They tell us of somebody who who crossed over. They went to the light. They crossed the rainbow bridge or whatever. It makes us curious because none of us have ever been there. None of us have ever seen such a thing. 
And while those things are certainly intriguing, I find one thing curious about all of them. Or maybe I should say most of them. Where is the mention of listening to Jesus? The emphasis always seems to kind of get put back on the individual. Now, don't take me wrong. I'm not saying that these things can't happen. God can do anything to inform people of himself and what awaits in any manner of his choosing. In fact, that's exactly what we find going on in the Gospel for today. But what I am saying is look at how Satan can take something that was maybe intended for good, an experience that was intended for good, and turn it to to his evil. Getting people to talk about and focus on themselves and their story and their feelings and their experience all while missing the point which was to tell people about Jesus. Maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but that's the very thing that Jesus puts a hedge on in the Gospel for today when He tells His disciples not to say anything when they come down that mountain. Don't say anything until I've risen again. If you're wondering why I began talking about near-death experiences, this is how this ties together. For is that not what this is? Kind of? The transfiguration with Peter, James, and John? It's what the church has called and coined the beatific vision. The white light. Mark puts the emphasis here in the Gospel uh, uh, on on the, the color of his clothes, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Luke talks about it being whiter than lightning. How is such a thing even possible? You know, these white pyramids that we have on our, in, in church this morning <laughs> don't do justice. We should have like multiple floodlights just shining at all of you. But it still wouldn't match to the glory and the splendor that Christ showed on that mountaintop. It is indeed the beatific vision. The bright light. The presence of God. Meeting with saints, people of God who have gone on before. It's all there on the top of that mountain. It's almost like a, you know, dare I say, time warp supernatural experience for Peter that, that Peter, James, and John are seeing here. They, they, they'd heard all the Old Testament stories when they were little boys in synagogue school about Moses and about Elijah, and how they spoke to God on the mountain, and maybe, just maybe, they sat there and wondered to themselves, I wonder what that looked like. I wonder what that looked like. And just like many of us do. When we're sitting in, you know, we may have the, 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 the little cartoon image in the, in the Sunday school workbook of what this looked like, but we really think, wonder what that really looked like. This is what it looked like. It looked like talking with Jesus. For Moses and for Elijah. Was it a vision? Was it in real time? What did speaking with God before you were dead look like? It looked like talking with Jesus. And for Peter, James, and John, and for us, we all get a little glimpse into those mountaintop meetings. 
throughout Scripture. Shrouded in a cloud of the Lord's presence, enveloped in light, there He was, transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. A little glimpse of things yet unseen. One click past the tombstone, if you will. Here it is, glorifying and uh, glorious and terrifying all at once. And Peter's almost out of his wits, and what does he say? Let's stay here. Let's stay here. Of course he would say that. Who wouldn't say that? Anybody who's had the slightest glimpse of what heaven is or could be would want to stay there. He's watched and waited for something like this for three years, Peter has. He's seen demons driven out. He's seen the dead raised. He's seen the lame walk. He's seen the, uh, the, the blind see. He's seen thousands fed. I can't imagine that Peter was just chomping at the bit. Come on, Lord, show us. Show us who You really are. Show us what this is really all about. And here it is. Here it is. After all of that, Peter wants to stay. He wants to stay in the midst of that glory. But it was not to be. For where does God the Father end this little account? Where does God the Father put the emphasis at the end of this transfiguration? He comes over and He envelops that mountaintop in a cloud and the voice comes from heaven and a cloud appeared over them and a voice came from the cloud This is my Son, whom I love. Listen to Him. Suddenly they looked around and they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. It's not on their trek up the mountain. It has nothing to do with their experience that they saw. It has nothing to do with what they felt. Not any wonder or anything. Not the fact that even that they were witness to Christ's glory. This is my Son whom I love. Listen to Him. And who are they left alone with? When it all fades back to normal, they're left there alone with Jesus. Just Jesus. Listen to Him. And what's the first command Jesus gives before they come down that mountain? Don't say anything to anyone. We might find that a little bit odd, but should we? Should we really find that strange? I mean, clearly the disciples listened to Him. They didn't say anything. They held that command dear. But why did Jesus give it? Why does Jesus say, don't say anything to anyone? Oh, what would happen if they did? What would that have looked like? What if they had spilled the beans? Jealousy with the other disciples? Why did Jesus take you, Peter, James, and John? You guys more special than the rest of us? Or such an incredible claim that they all saw Moses and Elijah and they saw Jesus transfigured not from one, but from three people? According to 
Jewish law in the court, in order to establish the truth of a matter, you had to have two witnesses. Here they technically have four. Peter, James, John, and Jesus. Jesus says, don't say anything to anyone. Because it would have caused a stir beyond belief. More than, more than, it would have made Jesus' path down that mountain, not just down the mountain, but to Jerusalem thereafter, all that much more difficult. How do we begin the sermon today? Talking about those near-death experiences? Talking about people that want to share their experience and their story and their unique thing that happened to them? No doubt this would have been all about Peter, James, and John after this. The emphasis would have been put on themselves. You gotta hear what I saw. You gotta, you, you, you gotta hear my story. Let me tell you about what I experienced. For such is sinful human nature. We do it with the mundane things of life. We all have it. We all know it. Things in the workplace, things at home. We're often tempted and fall to put the emphasis on ourselves, on our life. That people should listen to us because of what we have experienced or because of what we have done. Because honestly, it makes it seem as though we've got a little bit of clout as we go through this life. That we have a little, uh, that we have a, 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 a rock to stand on. That we are somebody. That I have done something unique. That's what we value in the human nature. The human sinful nature. Having a unique experience, no matter what it is, makes us feel special or wanted or needed or honored. You see, God the Father's words backed up by Jesus' command puts a hedge on all of that, both for the disciples and still for us. Listen to Him. Because earthly glory and earthly honor are fleeting. Listen to Him because they couldn't stay on that mountain. Listen to Him because things will be bleak in life. Listen to Him in your darkest hour. Peter, James, and John didn't know what lay ahead of them as they descended down that mountain. But it wouldn't be long before they saw their whole world turned upside down and Jesus knew it. The Lord knew that some of their darkest moments, some of their deepest uncertainty and doubt and fear lay ahead of them. And Jesus didn't come to bring earthly glory, power, acceptance, influence. That's not His mission. That wasn't why He was here. Rather, He came to take the place of those, all of us, who covet such things and weep when we don't get them. Whose word did they have but His? Whose word did they have but His when they watched Jesus sweating blood and anxious thought? Whose word did they have but His when Jesus was arrested in that garden? Whose word did they have as they all betrayed Him? Even as they were running away 
Whose word did Peter have as he sat there in the courtyard and wept bitterly, overwhelmed with guilt? Listen to him. They had Jesus' words through it all. And we're about to take our own walk through Lent. And it's that time of year where we reflect once again on our own deep need for a Savior, our own deep need for repentance, turning to Jesus and listening to Him. Listening to His story, His experience, His feelings, His perfection, His innocence, and His sacrifice, and of course, His resurrection. Because we need it as much as Peter, James, and John did. You know, the devil loves to set us up to fall, doesn't he? He likes to puff us up with pride only to rip the rug out from under us later on and just show us how unworthy or how worthless we really are to stand before God. And this is the beauty of Lent because it turns it all on its head. It's not about me. It's not about Peter, James, and John and what they saw and what they experienced or what they felt. It has nothing to do with that. It's all about Christ and what He has done for us in our place. So that when we get to the upper room, when we get to the garden, when we get to Good Friday, we can still see the transfigured Lord through all of that. Shining through all of it. That this was God's Son who gave Himself the only One whose blood would count for the sins of the whole world, of all people, of all time. The One who promised, who was long promised and through the Law and the Prophets, through men like Moses and Elijah, that there would be a, a Messiah. That there would be a Savior for us to listen to. For us to follow. And what does He continue to say to us? Even through all of our lives' darkest moments. Even when we are overwhelmed with guilt. Or wonder and sit back at just how in the world could the Lord possibly accept me for what I've done when I can't forgive myself or my spouse won't forgive me or my friends won't forgive me or my coworkers are are are, are breathing down my neck. Why would God love me? What does God say to you? As we listen to His Word, we find these words of comfort and peace that we are indeed forgiven. When we come up to this table, the sacrament that Jesus has instituted for us, when we eat this bread and when we drink this cup, Jesus says, go in peace, your sins are forgiven. Listen to Him. Now, unlike those disciples, we have a little bit of a different command now to go and tell everyone what we have heard and seen not just share our own story but that we know someone but that we know someone we've had one and we know the one who had more than a near-death experience he ran headlong into it and he shattered it and he broke it and he passed through it and he came through the other side So that you and I might know the way through. And it's Him. 
He did so that we might be drawn not to a temporary fleeting glory, but into His eternal light. This is what we focus on in the season of Lent. Not ourselves. Not the disciples, really. It's His story. It's His story for us. Let's listen to it and listen to Him. Amen. I sincerely pray that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Didn't get enough of God's Word? Are you missing out on that in-person fellowship? We hold divine services right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. We also live stream our Sunday divine service at 8 a.m. You can ensure that you are notified when a stream is live or a new podcast is available by subscribing to our YouTube channel. It's easy to find by typing in St. Mark Bemidji in the search bar and clicking on the subscribe button. Want to listen to meditations the way I do every day? Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Go to podcastindex.org and search for St. Mark Bemidji to find us. This is our fifth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarksbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again www.stmarksbemidji.org. May God bless the rest of your day.